This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Side Broker, and welcome to Adult Side Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week, we'll once again be speaking with attorney Nick Zargarpour in part two of our conversation. Just to let you know, I'm now in L.A. for XBiz L.A. And starting the 24th, the Adult Side Broker Roadshow moves on to Las Vegas for AVN and Internext. If you'd like to sit down and talk business, drop me a line on our contact page at adultsidebroker.com. Speaking of events, we've added an events section to our website. Now you can get information on B2B shows on our site, as well as special discounts reserved for our clients. Go to adultsitebroker.com for more details. Would you like an easy way to make a lot of money? Send sellers or buyers to us at Adult Site Broker through our affiliate program, ASB Cash. When you refer business to us, you'll receive 20% of our broker commission on any and all sales that result from that referral for life. You can make $100,000 or more on one sale for some of our listings. Check out asbcash.com for more details and to sign up. At Adult Site Broker, we're proud to announce our latest project, thewaronporn.com. You'll find articles from industry websites as well as mainstream publications from around the world. It's designed to raise awareness of our industry's plight in the war on porn and the numerous attacks on our industry and online free speech by hate groups, the religious right, and politicians. You'll find all that and more at thewaronporn.com. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer a unique sex toy, the Baldo. The Baldo has created something new, ball sex, and a range of devices that allow you to have ball sex. These devices are patented and trademarked in multiple countries. Baldo.com is their main international e-commerce site. This gives men a second penis that never goes soft, but with the added benefit of having an erotic sensation in the balls. Baldo cups the balls and makes them feel safe. The open sides of the Baldo cage keep the balls where they're designed to be. The cage and its inner core take the pressure off penetration and guides the balls inside their partner. When inside, a sensation of warmth, rubbing from thrusting, stimulation of nerve endings, and pressure at the base of the penis all work together to deliver what can be a very heavy ballgasm, all without using or touching the penis at all. In fact, Cosmopolitan Magazine verified this in a review on Baldo. Baldo has received a flood of media attention, with appearances on The Howard Stern Show and reviews in Cosmo, Wired, Vice, and Sex Cells. This has caused consistent sales spikes. The cartoon featuring Chuck the Balls has been watched over 400,000 times. Through additional investment, the company will be able to spend on advertising, affiliate marketing, and dedicated sales resources, the only things keeping ball sex from literally exploding. There are another eight products in development which use the balls for ball sex. Only $250,000. Now time for this week's interview. Now here's part two of my interview with adult industry attorney, Nick Zargarpour. There's a lot of content piracy now. How are you dealing with that with creators? 
we obviously tell our creator, uh, you know, creators to watermark their videos, and there's all these digital watermarks that can be put in there. There are very good companies out there like Branded Scan that can help you uh, mark your content, find your content online, and they tell you what to do. And they're and they're very reasonably priced, by the way. May I say, for me to do what they do, if you had to pay me to do it. It would cost you thousands more than what they do for what I, I think it's nominal expenditure uh, during uh, the month. But that being said, sometimes they can, you know, hit a wall and then that's when we can get involved and we basically take some content down. We are in the process of right now taking content down for one of our clients. It was actually not content they made. It was a wrongfully written story about my client. And we are trying to work out with different several, several different newspapers to try to take the story down by showing them proof of what happened. We did that once with the Daily Mail. They printed something or they were going to print something very salacious against a famous celebrity and my client. And they were going to basically slam my client in as far as the relationship uh, my client had with someone else. And we were able to kill that before it ever saw the light of day by proving to the Daily Mail that everything that my client was accused of was actually the opposite. My client was not responsible for taking actions one, two, and three, but rather the other person was taking actions one, two, and three. She's like, I can probably guess who the celebrity was. <laughs> No, this had nothing to do with adult. This was, uh, this is in, uh, I guess, regular Hollywood situation. Sorry, I didn't put two and two together on that one. Uh, but no, it was, I know it had to do with that. And then we basically were able to prove before the story came out to the, to the reporter that, look, my client never did any of the stuff that is being accused of and you guys are going to publish. And guess what? The story never saw the light of day because we had proof in writing to do this. What your listeners need to understand, the E in email stands for exhibit. The EX in text stands for exhibit. And we had the right proof. We had the right texts. And luckily, we were able, when they asked for comments, we immediately provided it. And uh, once they were going to write and slam my client even more, we were able to stop it. So it wasn't Charlie Sheen, huh? No, <laughs> no, but we were able okay. to stop this because my client uh, is not a celebrity, but because it had a celebrity twist to it, they were all interested in it. But we were able to nip it in the butt, as the saying goes. And if that person that made these accusations to against my client wants to take me on, I'm more than happy to take him on because of the fact that I'm able to prove everything that he said was a lie. That's what it comes down to. That's what attorneys do. It's all about proof. It's all about evidence. It's not about hearsay or he said, she said. And it's very, very important that people have that before they ever bring a case against anybody. Or what are you doing? The unfortunate part about U.S. law is if somebody brings a case against you, a lawsuit against you, you have to defend it. And I know it makes you guys more money. But when it comes right down to it, it's pretty unfortunate that that's our legal system and that there isn't more liability. I understand that a lot of the times the accusing party has to pay the attorney's fees 
And that's a wonderful thing. That's European law. And I don't know what the law is in Thailand, but that, this is one of the situations that I came across. You got to be very careful about this, Bruce. This is one of the biggest mistakes I get from people that live in other countries and deal with other countries' laws. In a lot of other countries, the winner gets their attorney's fees paid automatically by the loser. In U.S. law, the winner pays his own attorney's fees and the loser pays his own attorney's fees unless there's two separate things happening. One is unless there's a contract between the parties wherein it expressly says, says that the winner gets attorney's fees from the loser and attorney's fees and costs. Or in the second prong of this thing, it would be specific laws that say that. For example, in California, employer-employee lawsuits, if the employee wins, the employer has to pay automatically without an agreement, without anything, the employee's attorney's fees. There doesn't need to be anything in writing because the law, the public policy in California supports the employee over the employer. The same thing with elder abuse. If you can prove elder abuse, if you can say uh, that my 80-year-old grandma was, you know, either, God forbid, beaten or, you know, some other uh, untowards act taken against her, let's say at a home or somewhere else, there doesn't need to be an agreement in writing as to, you know, uh, whether the winner gets her attorney's fees or not. But under elder abuse situations, by the way, it doesn't need to be physical abuse. It can be financial abuse too. You, if you have an 80-year-old where someone takes over their life and basically steals all their money, it's the same thing. The elder person, the, the, the elderly, is entitled, a uh, person that was harmed, is entitled to get attorney's fees from the person who harmed them automatically by law. At least I qualify there, Nick. Oh, okay. Well, good. You know, so what, no, I don't think anyone dares to abuse you. <laughs> they better not. <laughs> but I am going to be 66 in a week. So there you go. <laughs> uh, I think that's the magic number. I think 66, uh, 66 or 70. I don't, I don't, I don't practice elder, uh, elder abuse law. But absent those two circumstances and absent any terms in your website, guess what? You don't get, you, you get your, you have to still pay your own attorney's fees and they have to pay their own attorney's fees. They don't have to pay your attorney's fees if you prevail. Is that the case in the EU, by the way? No. EU is the opposite. EU is automatically the winner pays, uh, the winner gets attorney's fees from the loser. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's I had good. a contract that was with a, it was a UK company with a US company and a UK attorney wrote it. And they didn't put an attorney's fees clause in there because they assumed U.S. was in the, the same way as the U.K. And it was wrong. I collected 100 cents on the dollar from the U.S. company, but I couldn't collect attorney's fees on top of it because the agreement didn't have that. Oh, jeez. Yeah, U.S. law, right? It wouldn't have qualified. And is, is U.K. law very similar to EU law? Uh, it was more. I don't know what they're doing ever ever since Brexit, but uh, it used to be. God knows. <laughs> That's a mess. That's yeah, a real mess. Yeah, and American law is basically 17th century you know, British law, but 
but at the basis, but we've gone so many different ways. I mean, we are so different. Uh, yeah, almost all the wrong ones. So AI is something that everyone's talking about right now. What are your thoughts about AI porn? Welcome to the wild, wild west, okay? Because I'm telling you, yeehaw, that is one area of law that I can basically, um, in order for me to answer this question for you, I have to read thousands of pages worth of documents, okay? And then do a wag for you. And what a wag is, it's a wild ass guess. <laughs> I thought it had to do with a dog for a second. <laughs> no, it's 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 it just is a wild west out there. We don't know. A lot of the areas are not, you know, determined yet. And because it's not determined, we're trying to apply regular copyright law. We're trying to apply regular contractual rights and, and things like that. I know I'm putting into my agreements with my content creators. You know, if they're starting to use AI platforms and things like that, that this person cannot do certain things with their AI character. You know, even though it's fake, they can't have certain illegal acts exactly by the AI character. Well, it's kind of like, it's really kind of like hentai, though. I mean, hentai, they've got all kinds of stuff on there. And then the question is, you know, where's the law there, right? Yeah. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> uh, it's all, it's, uh, again, it, it is, a uh, hentai is a little different. Uh, again, the distinguishing until the legislators, uh, you know, chime in, until uh, the courts chime in, it's still a little bit of a wild, wild west. I'm, the only advice I will have to give is please don't push the envelope too much. Because you will uh, get burnt. Yeah, don't get too close to fire. <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't push it and don't do anything that you wouldn't do in normal adult production. Okay. Uh, I think that would be a little um, dangerous for you in multiple, multiple ways. I mean, not just legally, let's say. Uh, maybe the courts come and say, you know, you can't do anything because this is all imaginary. But one of the biggest issues right now is they're getting like a faces of these models and they're putting it on, on different bodies and they're saying where it's not. And then they're changing their faces, you know, some features of the faces and, and they're basically on this, the features that are being changed. Uh, they're coming back to them and saying, Oh, well, this is not you, but you know, everyone looks at it says it's you. Your eyes are a different color or you, you got blonde hair and not, you're not a brunette. Yeah. At this point, I can't give you any clarity on it at this point. You're going to be busy. <laughs> you know what? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I come from a business background. I come from a family business background. I was a user of uh, legal services before I became a provider of legal services. I think a lot of money is wasted in the legal profession, but not wasted by us, but by clients, uh, you know, not listening to us up front or not communicating better with the person that's causing them the problem. Because if you communicate a little better and maybe you give a little and the other person gives a little and you both are unhappy with the settlement that you reach, but you reached it, you know, without litigation, you may be ahead of the game. And in the end, you're a problem solver, right? That's all my, my screensaver says, solve problems. That's all it says. There you go. That's good. 
Recently, some PaySlide owners took a stand against false DMCA claims. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, good for them. I mean, it's not just uh, for a while it was just, oh, this is my secret. You know, this is my video and I have the copyright to it and, and uh, you can't use it. And it would go down within five seconds. Now, website owners have figured out their rights that they this person needs to jump through certain hoops before, you know, they have to provide it. I provide their rights. And then once you, if you can't prove, provide that, then, you know, the website owner does not need to take it down, but, but be very careful about this. You know, if you're a website owner, because think about it, if I'm a content creator, I'm not a lawyer, I'm going to make certain claims, not really following up not knowing what I'm doing. I have every right. I know I own this. It's my image. It's my video. I shot it. I have that right, but I'm just not a lawyer. So I'm just going to make a claim and I'm going to make a bunch of mistakes in making this claim. And the website owners come back and say, well, no, we need ABCD to, for you to prove us and improve this. And the website owner doesn't take it down because that person didn't provide the proper thing or the website owner just ignores them because it says, oh, this the document this person provided were not enough for us. But that person, that content creator, hires a lawyer and the lawyer knows what they're doing and they know how to push it. And if the content, if the website doesn't respond still or doesn't take down the, the content, then you're gonna have other issues and not necessarily legal issues. You may have public relations issues. Oh yeah, look, this is a close business. As I like to say, it's a family. And if somebody misbehaves in the family, everyone in the family is going to know about it. And you really need to watch your P's and Q's because the last thing you want to do is be an outcast. The last thing you want to do is be known as someone who files false DMCA claims or someone that runs pirated content. Fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not sure which one it is, the people that run the pirated content aren't around. You don't see them at shows. Sometimes I kind of wish that we did see them at shows and they'd identify themselves so a few people could beat the shit out of them. Bruce, I would recommend you not give advice of encouraging someone to beat someone else up. I didn't say anybody specifically. I know, but I would not. I wouldn't say even. I, I'm just. I'm just. I just said, wouldn't it be nice? I didn't say. To no, do it. wouldn't it be nice? So the bottom, to, no, so the bottom no, line is, we don't encourage anyone hitting each other. <laughs> we want if if you're going to know that this person is going to be there, what you do is you get your lawsuit ready or whatever you need to ready the service that you need to do, and then you see that person at a party or at this, and then you serve them at the party in this, and then you personally serve them. And that's the easy part. <laughs> Thanks, Counselor. I, I appreciate the PC analysis of that. We will move on. So in the last year, there's been the largest assault on the adult industry ever by the religious right. And as I like to say, they're store-bought politicians. And I even started a website called The War on Porn, which I know you're a big fan of, to put all the news about this in one place. What are your thoughts about the overall war on porn? You and your assault themes. Okay, so here we go. Um, the war is always a war on porn. I mean, 
just flares up every once in a while and sometimes it goes up and sometimes you know it goes down you know it all depends on certain things at all you get one person we're in easy industry to pick on for politicians we have fans but we have silent fans if our fans were as vocal as the NRA's fans uh, in many many different industries maybe not even controversial issues but but the people that are you know the age you know we remember in the 80s and the 90s and you know people were you know trying to, to get things you know not fans of AIDS excuse me that didn't come out right but fans of you know the government doing work to eliminate AIDS and basically handle and uh, provide services for AIDS patients, we would have an incredible lobby. If we can go get in there and say, everyone vote against this proposition in your neighborhood or vote against this politician in your neighborhood because they, ha- they are basically assaulting us, then um, you know, we can become very popular. That's why, again, we need to support the FSC that's the free speech coalition in case some of your, your members want to know, uh, some of your listeners want to know, become members and sponsors of the FSC. The FSC is basically they're doing the work to protect the industry under the management of, you know, Jeff Douglas, attorney Jeff Douglas, one of the nicest and most capable guys you'll ever meet. You know, absolutely. You know, they're on the Allison is great. Michael is great. And so we need to we need to support them because they're the ones who are taking it on the chin for us. You know, they're getting punched and they're punching back. And that's what the industry needs to do. Absolutely. You know, I was just thinking, what if we you see those NRA parties or parties, those meetings with all the people cheering and all of that stuff? Maybe we need to get something like that at AVN. Maybe we need to do a few of those around the country at the Exoticas. The fans are out there. I mean, we can give them all the the fake nose and glasses thing so, and mustache so everybody in the audience wears a Groucho Marx look, you know. But when you go into the voting poll, voting booth, no one is watching you there. As long as we educate them that this is bad for you, this is bad for you, and then let them vote. A lot of this is not being done in the voting booth, though. It's being done in Congress. It's being done in legislatures, especially legislatures. And we need our people. We need our fans to contact their elected representatives and say, if you vote for this bill, guess what? I'm not voting for you. And I've got a hundred friends who have a hundred friends who have a hundred friends who aren't voting for you. That's what we have to do. Yeah, we need that kind of a grassroots movement. Big time. Yeah, absolutely. But unfortunately, a lot of the people don't do that. So what we have to do is come in there and say, look, we have to say, spread the message wide and far and wide and say, look, everyone, this is not good for you. This basically makes it harder access for you. This makes it, you know, this basically censors what you are able to see and something that wasn't censored today is going to be censored tomorrow because of what you did. And you all need to just independently go in there and vote these people out. If they lose their stuff, if they lose their jobs, then that really is the only way to do it. And that's what the beauty of the democracy is. It's messy, but, and it may be slow as heck, but it will eventually work. 
Well, if one or two lose their jobs, the others are going to notice, and then three or four, and 10 and 12, and 50 and 100, and all of a sudden, all the politicians go, shit, we better listen to these people. They're powerful. But until they realize our power, you're right about the voting booth when it comes to the politicians. But we got to get the people first to talk to talk to their elected representatives. And you're right. One way to talk to them is to not vote for them. Absolutely. It all kind of plays together. One of the big issues right now, maybe the biggest, are the state ID laws being passed. Now, these are rather onerous and will make it very difficult for our industry to operate. On one hand, I don't think any legitimate operator wants kids looking at porn. But on the other hand, those are not being passed for that purpose, as we well know. These right-wing politicians want to put us out of business. That's the whole reason. What's your opinion on ID laws, and where do you see it going? Again, it's a tough area of law you know, to analyze right now, because most of uh, what I've heard is, uh, I think Texas law was put on hold because Texas law, uh, again, I have not researched this myself. I, I'd be remiss if I said I've done a lot of research on the Texas ID law. Uh, I have not. I've just read a few articles about it. But it's interesting that, like, for example, my understanding is, and I could be wrong, is that Texas, you have to register with the state that you want to, that you're over 18, and then give that ID to the, you know, the adult site, and then have the adult site approve you so that you can have access to this. No one, no legitimate operator wants kids to watch porn. Technically, they can't even purchase stuff because they shouldn't have access to the credit card and be able to put the credit card information in and get it. But again, like you said, this is, you know, a way of, uh, for politicians, some politicians to try to stop from the adult industry by creating onerous rules, so, you know, that for websites to follow and then basically say, okay, uh, here's, um, oh God, what was that uh, name of the person? Um, rubric? No, 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 it was... Uh, Goldberg, I don't remember. It's like one of these things where the water steams up, the steam hits the 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 ball, the ball steams up and rolls down the thing and hits this thing, and then the little ball bearing rolls around in a circle and then hits a, this is a, the dominoes. The dominoes all fall, and then the last domino turns on the switch. You have to uh, sit there and and, uh, and figure it out. I'm drawing a total blank on the name. Anyway, so yeah, it was it was one of these uh, you know. Uh, Things. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it hard. Okay, now you got to do this. Now you got to do that. Now you got to do this. You got to do that. Now this, you know, the state will have the list of everyone that wants to use adult. Go to adult. And guess what? Who has control of that? So it's Governor, you know, X. Governor X has control of that. Now Governor X has someone running against them and for governor and has a good chance of winning. And the Governor X leaks that, hey, this person running against me has one of those adult authorization forms. So this person watches adult content. It's just, uh, it's just such an amazing area of abuse. Again, the best way to do it is mobilize and vote everyone out that, you, that wants to infringe on your rights. Exactly. We talked about the Free Speech Coalition. They're more active than they've ever been. They've been filing lawsuits against some of these state ID laws. Do you think we're going to prevail in the end and why? 
I sure hope so. Uh, the problem is the Supreme Court and the Dobbs decision that overturned Roe versus Wade has now basically shaken everything to a foundation, to its foundation. And everyone is like, you know, every case, even cases that you thought would be a slam dunk going in front of the Supreme Court is now up because we don't know how some of the Supreme Court justices and how they will vote. But I always thought the smart Supreme Court justices, and if I was ever on the Supreme Court, the smart Supreme Court justices will keep you guessing. You know, Kavanaugh is doing that. Uh, Roberts is doing that. And to a much smaller degree, Barrett is doing that. But if Kavanaugh is the number one person that right now is becoming the swing vote on going on certain things, and Roberts is a little bit, you know, so Robert goes this way sometimes, that way sometimes, you know, it all depends. You know, in recent years have both started to look rather moderate. Uh, in certain cases, yeah. There are people that analyze this, I mean, to the, to the nth degree. They're the ones that say that, okay, look, Roberts is conservative when it deals with, let's say, corporation rights. But when it gets to be some kind of a social uh, aspect to it, he's more liberal. Well, reproductive rights, again, uh, and I don't know if I would put Roberts in that. But again, it's just something that, again, you vote, you vote for, for you know, people that you think are going to appoint people that stand with your political view and, you know, let the dice roll the way they roll, you know, once you do that. But it's kind of hard right now to say, yeah, this state ID laws are going to, you know, pass and, and, I mean, the lower courts, uh, I think, are going to put a stop to it. But then who knows if the Supreme Court is going to take it up? Yeah, that's true. I kind of doubt it personally because it's kind of a hot potato and they don't tend to take on those types of items, especially when it has to do with porn. I don't think they really want their fingerprints on it, especially the conservative justices. But I guess we'll see. I just don't think we're that important to them personally which also goes for the politicians and for many people in the United States. And that's unfortunate. So with this assault taking place, do you think this is a good or a bad time to come into adult and why? At the beginning, you introduced me as someone that teaches business plan writing. And I teach that class and we pretty much cover all aspects of business. So this question is kind of right up my alley on this one, both legally and as far as the business is concerned. Entering into this industry is the same as entering into any other industry, okay? Plan right, you have a good idea, you watch your uh, operational efficiencies, you solve problems for your customers, and with a little bit of luck, you will be very successful. People think entrepreneurs are risk takers. No, entrepreneurs take every action to make sure they limit the risk as much as possible. I mean, there are bad ones that make money because they just happen to solve a problem immediately and maybe not in the best possible way right then and there, but then they become successful and they make tons of money. But those are few and far in between. You do have to have a certain bit of planning, a little bit of organization, because that's when you become better. What was it? The founder, one of the best business movies you'll ever see about McDonald's. Okay. The founders, the McDonald brothers, you know, they were good but they were a little too controlling and they ended up losing it to Ray Kroc. Yeah, they weren't Ray Kroc, man. Who used to own the Padres, by the way. <laughs> yeah, before that, he uh, 
He started off as a milkshake um, machine vendor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that's it's, you have to see the movie The Founder. It's really good. I got. I'm gonna watch that. He was selling milkshake machines, you know, to different burger joints around the country, and he noticed that this one company, the McDonald's, out of California, was buying like nine machines at a time, where everyone else was barely dealing with one or two. This guy, these guys were buying nine machines. So he went and visited them and was shocked at how efficient they were and, and what, how they produced their food and how they gave the food. And he thought this is going to be the way of the future. And he got involved with them. And I'm not going to ruin the rest of the story. He died a very rich man, that's for sure. Yeah, now his widow is supporting a lot of different uh, charities. But again, if you have efficiencies, if you solve the problem, if you communicate well with your clients... Yeah, why not get into the adult industry as, as, as a legit industry, as every other industry? You have to put up a little bit of uh, discrimination. Uh, you have to put up with some family members that aren't going to like what you do. But you can become, you know, my family business. When I was there, we were pen salesmen. We sold pens and gift items, and we were selling this. I'm very proud of my business being called a pen salesman. I love it. No wonder you always have such great pens, Nick. Pens and watches are my favorite things. <laughs> ah, very good. What's your opinion on trade shows? I know we spent some time hanging out at the Miami one and their value for adult industry professionals and for yourself. I'm old fashioned. I'm sorry. I meet you. Hi, how are you? Shake your hand or touch elbows of during COVID. Okay. <laughs> and that's the way I meet people. And that's the way, you know, I like meeting people. I'm a firm believer in attending trade shows. I'm a firm believer in, in the personal contact. I love going to my clients' offices. I love sitting in their office rather than even their conference room, because I think I learn more about that person when they're comfortable in their own office. And that helps me become a better lawyer for them. As far as trade shows are concerned, if you still think everything has got to be online, then that's your prerogative. I think, hello, how are you? My name is Nick. And put your hand out is still one of the best ways of meeting people and developing relationships and sizing up people. And I don't care how long you've been in business, you know, unless you're very young and, and are getting into the business, like, you know, 18, 19, 20, you know, you need to do need to kind of tap into the older people's knowledge base and try to get as much information as possible from them. You know, they can provide you a cheat code to business. They can provide you a cheat code to life. So learn from the older people, but eventually you'll develop this instinct and you meet people and you shake hands with them and you say, you know what? I don't like this person because I don't trust this person. And you save yourself a lot of headaches. I was invited to a party, a private suite for the Lakers game by a friend of mine that got a job at a company. And I went to this event and they were a real estate investment company and they were looking to get investors involved in their real estate business. And I walked in. I met some of the lower people and they seemed plenty nice. Then I met the CEO and within, I would say probably 30 seconds, I sized them up as a, this is a scam. This is a Ponzi scheme. I try to warn my friend about being involved with these people. And my friend at the time was not hearing me. 
out. And well, my friend didn't lose much because uh, he or she was an employee of that company, but they lost a lot of reputation because they will put a lot of their friends in as investors and lenders or, you know, to do with this company. And this company, I now represent uh, one of their, you know, lenders. They basically took my client's life saving. And this, unfortunately, I got this client after everything was done. The SEC is now after them, these people. We already have a judgment against them. The SEC is putting full court press on them on as far as them being a Ponzi scheme. But what's the moral of this thing going back to your question? I met him and immediately I knew. Now, I wish I was, it was true with everyone I meet and I can size them up that fast. But that's why you go to trade shows and meet people. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you can tell and sometimes you can't. There are people out there that are really great con men. Okay. And then there are people out there that are just dripping with scammer. And you look at him and you go, I wouldn't lend this guy a nickel. But this same guy that I wouldn't lend a nickel to was able to get close to, I believe, $10 million from other people. More. Sorry, I think almost $20 million because just my clients alone had put in a quarter of a million. Well, was it at least a good game? Honestly, I don't know. I'm not a, <laughs> I, was, I was there for networking. I know. Uh, I know you I, were. I know you were. I, I'm a college football fan, and you know, I you you can tell me about the most bizarre, you know, teams, you know, East Coast, you know, like you know, Clemson versus West Virginia, and I would be like into that. But you give me the NBA Finals, and I would be like, oh, okay. Oh, come on, man. Well, no, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If it's the NBA Finals and it doesn't have the Warriors in it, I'll watch it, but I won't be that interested. But if my Warriors are in it, no, wait, that's another thing. Okay, basketball's my basketball's my third sport. Baseball's my first sport. NFL's my second sport. So are you a Giants fan? Of course I'm a Giants fan. Okay. Giants, Niners, and the Warriors, right? You got it, baby. You got it. You get along great with my cousin. Oh, very good. I'll have to be introduced for sure. Well, hey, Nick, I'd really like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I know we'll have a chance to do part three sometime down the road. Anytime you have any questions, if anyone uh, has any questions about their legal issues, feel free to go to, uh, you know, contact me at Nick, N-I-C-K, at czarlawfirm.com. And our website is either czarlawfirm.com or wearethehammer.com. There you go. Thank you, Nick. My broker tip today is part five of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Last week, we talked about new ways to monetize your site. Next, eliminate unneeded expenses. Constantly make sure you're not spending money you don't need to. Make sure there isn't duplication in your staffing. From time to time, check services you pay for like hosting and see if there are better and less expensive options. Take it from me, I've done this and saved a bunch, plus got higher quality hosting in the process. Again, ask us for recommendations. Along with this, make your profit and loss statement show more profit. Increasing sales and reducing expenses obviously does just that. Make sure your P&L statement accurately reflects your company's actual costs, not a bunch of personal expenses you put in. This will cost you money when you sell. 
It may help you with the tax man to put that stuff on your tax return, but it hurts you if you show that stuff on your profit and loss statement when you sell. Remember, every dollar in profit increases the value of your website as much as three to four times. This is why you need a good experienced broker to help lead you through the process. We've gotten people thousands of dollars more on their sale just by adjusting the P&L statement to reflect actual business expenses as opposed to a bunch of BS. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week we'll be speaking with performer and author Annie Temple. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Nick Zargarpour. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman. 